Hey everybody, it's Lenora from It's a New Dawn. I am here today by myself. I want to read something I wrote a long time ago, and you have to excuse the punctuation and the fluidity of it. It's sort of brainstormed. It is a story of my past, um, but I feel it's important uh, to actually even put it on YouTube, so I'm hoping that more people could connect to me visually. Uh, I did do a podcast on my story on my regular podcast with audio, but this will be different. This is going to be a little bit different. So if you have young children around, uh, it'd be better not to have them listen to this. Um, so just to give you an FYI, this is pretty deep. So I hope that in the end, it will help people to realize that there is hope after trauma and that you can prevail and you will understand me a little better and understand why I am so passionate about helping others. So on that note, I'm just going to start reading. Ages 16 to 22. When is she going to leave? I stand in the cabana freezing my ass off waiting for my mom to go to the grocery store. I'm hiding in here for about two hours. It's Wednesday, her shopping day. Most Wednesdays, I pretend to go to the bus stop, only to the, make a beeline to the cabana. It's the one day where I can be by myself in the house while my mom shops for food. I freeze. Damn it. When is she going to leave? I go inside, and the ritual begins. I eat something rich in carbohydrates, and it triggers the chain reaction. I eat everything in my line of vision. I need to fill up every crack and crevice of my stomach. It's not worth throwing up just a little. I can't be half full. I have to be, have a full tank. There is nothing that is off limits. Cakes, cookies, cereal, ice cream, potato chips. It's a frenzy. I'm watching TV, but I'm not watching TV. I can only think of one thing, eating and purging, eating and purging. And then it goes. Six years in a nutshell. The biggest secret of my life. Trying to fill the void in my life and then getting so disgusted and purging all the sorrow, guilt, anger in the toilet. At 16, I was already damaged, being abused by a priest, being sexually assaulted by a boyfriend, who later compounded my insecurities by telling me if I wasn't so fat, he would go out with me again. My brother committing suicide, tormented by a girl in high school. I tried to run away from her and go to a different high school my junior year. She ended up going to the same school. Junior year, the year it all started, I started the Scarsdale diet, but modified it in such a way where I ended up eating only an apple and a tab a day. I lost a lot of weight. My period stopped. My mom brought me to the doctor, and the answer to help me was just to make sure she eats. My Italian father would demand me to sit and eat. I can't say where I learned how to throw up, but it seemed like the most logical answer. I do, however, remember the first thing I threw up. That would be popcorn. I remember how hard it was to throw up. I ended up finding the perfect ratio of water to popcorn to help the process and for it to be less painful. I would pretend to work out in the basement and use the bathroom there. It was the most private. I would run the sink water and go for it. I had the goal that I would always shoot for. I had to throw up until there was blood. Once there was blood, I knew it was gone. I was empty again, rid of the fullness that plagued me. I was clean, or so I thought. 
I was washing my hands, but never looked up in the mirror above the sink. If I got a glance at what I see, it would be bloodshot eyes, a puffy face, lines from the sides of my nose down to my mouth. But mostly I didn't want to see the shame, the shame that it had come to this. I wanted the control over my body, but this devil had control over me. Every waking moment in my head was consumed with thoughts of food, my body, not letting myself eat something that would trigger my binge, food. Did I mention food? I knew what would trigger that downward spiral to a binge, but it was just so hard to stop myself. My body and my brain was craving healthy food that would nourish me, but my mouth would not allow it. It's a death sentence. How can I live like this? As time went on, I was a bit more creative at hiding this pathetic disease. Brushing my teeth right after an, an episode and all the time brushing the acid all around and eating away at my enamel. I like to stay clean. It's so dirty. I take baths, lots of baths. When the water runs, I throw up. <clears throat> I stop, I soak in the tub, run the water again, and throw up again. What are these people, stupid? No one questions all the bath, except for one sister who has it out for me. Anyway, will she just leave me the hell alone? She's always trying to call me out or abuse me in some way. Why are you always taking baths? Why are you in there so long? The ritual, run the water, look at my stomach. It looks like, a, look, it looks like I'm nine months pregnant. I weigh myself, get in the tub, throw up, weigh myself again, keep throwing up until I'm satisfied with what I see on the scale. Except I'm never satisfied. I'm never good enough. I date my boyfriend. The mood swings are immense. I am either hungry or I am full, looking for a way to get rid of the food. It is frustrating, and I am taking it out on him. I go and take baths everywhere. His house, friend's house, while babysitting, what the fuck is wrong with me? Somehow my boyfriend stays with me. I sure as hell wouldn't. I start to get pain in my chest, but I can't tell anyone what I'm doing. What will they think of me? I go to the hospital with chest pains time after time. I play dumb. I have no idea why I would have pain. I have my first car accident because I'm trying to eat a shitload of food to throw up while I'm driving. And I am consumed with trying to get enough in my body, in my belly, and not paying attention to the road, I rear-end another car. Shit, I got in an accident because I was obsessed with food. It is a drug to me. I need it like an addict needs their fix. Like if they don't have it, you don't know what they will do. Looking in the mirror gets harder and harder as the days and months and years pass. Lack of nutrients are taking its toll on my face and hair and teeth. My eyes are void of all happiness. I survive each day. That's all I can say is that I survive. This is no way to live. No, I won't look in the mirror because I truly hate the image that is staring back at me. I am only nine. I feel like I have been through so much emotional turmoil. I sit next to my mom sobbing over my brother's suicide. Yet I don't quite know what emotions are going through my head. I don't know why I'm sobbing. It is not like it's a surprise. He tried two times already. All I know is my brother is, was mighty scary. I didn't know what I now know about post-traumatic stress disorder from Vietnam War, or perhaps he might have had schizophrenia. All I know was complete terror for at least two years out of my life. I remember my mom holding her breath when my brother tossed my little sister up in the air playfully. 
Times like these were so rare, and because of the majority of the times he was abusive, mom just did not know that tossing playfully wouldn't lead into something, something downright dangerous. My mother and father were afraid to speak to tell him no. My mother didn't drive, so while Joey was home, he did a lot of the driving. I was more fearful of school than I was of Joey. I remember, I remember in fourth grade, because I couldn't hear or see well, I just didn't get anything that was taught in class, and the teacher would ridicule me in front of the other students. I would raise my hand when she said to take out my pencil. I knew there was a pop quiz. I couldn't do it. I didn't know anything. She would say, you're faking it again, Lenore. Go to the nurse's office. Quite embarrassing for a young girl. I had a ver verbally abuse. I had worse things to contend with, though. My brother. What kind of move would he be in? Would he be just verbally abusive or physically also? The look on his face when he walked into the nurse's office was scary in itself. God, just get me home. I am stupid, a pain, a burden, according to him. It must be true. We are all fearful of him. We hide in the closet. We wait for the rare times he goes out to laugh and make noise. We're all sitting around the table. And for the life of me, I don't know why one of my siblings throws a pee across the table. My brother throws chairs in a rage. Do you know how much food costs? We hide for cover. My parents do nothing. Nothing when he hits and abuses me with words. Nothing when he abuses them. So I sit there crying. I don't know if there were tears of relief, of guilt, or sadness that he died. All I know was that he was gone. The house was silent and dark and quiet. Oh, so quiet. There was a priest that was a friend of the family. He felt so bad, bad uh, obligated to come and console us. He had dinner with us. My mom gave him any money from what she got from the funeral and a beautiful chalice for him because, well, he was a priest, a man of the Lord. She trusted him. Being the most obnoxious of the brood of 11, the priest gravitated to me right away. For attention, I used to hang on any man that walked in the, forest, uh, walked in the door, hence the nickname, the leech. It never got me in trouble before, but trouble it caused to trouble that changed my life forever. No, not the blanket. The blanket was a sign. My father would be in his recliner and my mom would be on the other side of the couch reading her ladies' journal. The TV would be on my beyond, but my mom would be somewhere else. I like that he was nice to me, but why does he have to do that? The blanket goes on, on us both. Where is everyone? All of these siblings, but no one was around. He makes noises, but my parents don't hear them. They are right there. Isn't this wrong? He's a priest. Is this wrong? He, quote unquote, tucks me in. He says I am special, that it's our own little game. I feel special. I don't get attention otherwise. My mom is busy with 10 siblings, washing clothes, cooking, cleaning. The only time I get attention is when I have severe cramps in my legs and scream out her fur for her at night, and she rubs my legs with rubbing alcohol. I am in heaven, there is nothing else. I don't get read to, I never have a conversation with her, nothing. When my dad is home, he will tuck me in, and that's a prize in itself. He sings like it is only meant for me. But the question arises, why are they not protecting me from this man? Somehow he gets me in the bathroom. 
I don't want to look, but he makes me. I'm so confused. Why? Oh, why? I wanted to stop, but I am afraid. I can't tell my parents. I'm embarrassed that they will say I shouldn't have had been so affectionate. Did I, observe, did I deserve this? Is it my fault? Why can't I make it stop? <sighs> my brother has his friends sleep over. We all sleep in the middle of the family room. His family, his friends abuse me. I am the target. It seems my body is made for nothing but pleasure for someone else. I lay like a corpse. Why me? I deserve it. At some point, all the abuse ends, but the damage is done. I am no longer pure and innocent. I am a worthless piece of garbage. From that point on, the value that I place on, my, on me was zero, zilch. The abuse was tucked away, but never forgotten. I am 15 and I'm dating a boy who thinks I love, who I think I love, and he wants more for me, but I'm terrified to give, give it to him. On a cocaine rage, he rapes me in his room and explains, I broke your cherry. I cry, I cry, take me home. I cry the whole way home. I am damaged goods. What is love? I have no clue to it. Just, it's using people with no emotion. I will not trust anyone anymore. Maybe my body is just a good, good for one thing and my mind is useless. I need to keep my body looking good. Then it seems like abuse is all it's good for. Why? Why spinal meningitis plagued me out of eight children? I will never know. But it did. My mom finding me at two with a fever of 106, not able to move in my crib, I was brought to the hospital. Laying in a fetal position for three weeks, doctors telling my parents that I might not make it. I don't know if this is possible, but I distinctly remember my parents walking down some stairs where I lay, and as I stood up miraculously in my crib, I see the top of their heads and I jump up, down, up and down, mommy, daddy, I am okay with just residual effects of hearing loss in, in one ear and heart valve damage from the bacteria. It's one of the many miracles of my life, the miracle of survival. I know I marry at 21 to get out of the house to finally get some attention I so desperately need and want, but attention that doesn't involve touching my body. I've had my share of that, and I'm, I'm not in a good way. I want a gentle love, caring love, but I'm also confused what exactly, in, with what I'm exactly, I don't know. At this point in my life, I'm still pretending I love my husband because that is what I'm supposed to do, right? Date for five years and get married? I know in my heart that I'm not marrying for the right reasons, but I'm so desperate to leave the house. I'm running away, and this time I mean it. After the abuse started, I threatened my mother many times with running away. She could have yelled at me for the most mildest of things, but the first thing that came to my mind was running. Not really from my mom, per se, but perhaps in my young mind of nine, I could run away from the torture of wanting attention and knowing that this kind of attention didn't seem right. Is it my fault why I'm so obnoxious? Why did he gravitate toward me? Yes, it's my fault. I hung on his neck when he came in. I sat on his lap. I let him tuck me into bed. At times we were in the bathroom. Where were my parents? Why was I not protected? There is a beauty pageant on TV. My father on one side of the room and me sitting, sitting on the priest's 
lap with the ever popular blanket that was folded so neatly at the end of the couch. In between visits from the priest, it was almost like there was a neon sign blaring reserved for Lenora and the priest. At this young age, I could tell he was obviously excited over seeing this beauty pageant on TV. The swim, swoop, swimsuit portion came on. I could feel how excited he was. I was sweating. Stop. My mind is telling me, why can't I scream? This, why can't I say something? My father is right there. Yes, I want to run away, run away, because no one cares about me anyway. I am lonely. I don't cry. I have no emotions. No one comes for me as I sit on the sewer for what seems like the hundredth time, waiting for someone to care. It never happens, and I eventually go home to my lonely existence. I don't know how to play with kids, with my kids. Laughing seems out of the ordinary. I don't even know how to run around and be carefree and happy with me. And it occurred to me because I never had that growing up. Sure, on the outside, we were known as a family with 11 kids, but I am hungry. I am full. No, I am stuffed. Like if I opened my mouth, the food would spill out. I am just not, or I am not just hungry, but the type of hungry where your stomach is growling and you are in complete pain. There is never any in between. It's just black or white, all or nothing. To live like this for six years, to feel in prison, like I'm serving a life sentence in jail. It is so painful. A smile on the outside never meant joy on the inside. I was living in complete hell. Yet when I was with my boyfriend, there was security. The sense of feeling somewhat safe. He accepted me wearing my sweats all the time for the ever expanding belly. There were the extreme mood swings that he had become accustomed to. Get me the ice cream, but you just had a large. Are you saying I'm fat? And so it goes, day in and day out. Please, God, make it stop. I could go a couple of days max, but the hunger was just too much to bear. I don't know how to eat. All I know is sugar carbs. It was a complete trigger. I prayed to God in church, but why would God help me? I prayed for the abuse to stop. It didn't. I prayed to hear again. It didn't. I prayed for my family to love me. They didn't. I prayed that my parents would pay attention to me. No, it didn't happen. I prayed in vain. I went to church with my mom week in and week out. It was nice to lean on her arm and hear her sing. Mass sounded to me like someone could have been saying blah, 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 but I had my mom for an hour, so it didn't matter what God didn't do for me. I was with my mommy. See, God is punishing you. I was told that it seemed... I was told that it seemed numerous times a day, usually either from my mom, dad, or Joey, from tripping on my feet to falling, falling, um, a failing a test. It seemed that God was punishing me. Why was God punishing me with abuse or an eating disorder or a car accident? Yes, I was bad. I was really bad. The God I knew growing up was a judgmental God. God was scary and not comforting at all. I prayed to God in vain. But in my head, I knew that I was not worthy of forgiveness. I let, quote unquote, the priest abuse me. I threw up precious food. There were starving people all over the world. I got in the car before the accident, even though my mom told me I shouldn't go. The guilt about everything I did or didn't do in my life was overwhelming at times. There seemed to be a dialogue going on in my head back and forth. 
let me count all the bad things I did for the day. And God would reply in my head, well, let's see, you did this and this and this. I am 19 and all I can remember is waking up in a stretcher and taking my contacts out of my eyes and handing them to someone next to me and then darkness. I wake up and there are faces in my face. Get them away, they are annoying. They keep asking me questions. Can you hear me? Lift up your forehead, twitch your nose, smile for me. Why would I smile? I'm in pain and you're annoying me. I feel I have a turban on my head. I can't think straight. My family is around. My boyfriend's sitting next to me, holding my hand. What's wrong with me? You had a car accident and you hit your head really hard. The questions really never get answered. The doctors are not doing anything. My father gets involved and gets them moved to another hospital in New York where they do emergency surgery. During this time, I really didn't know the extent of the damage. Everyone just tiptoes around the answers. During this time, I do remember feeling relieved that I got a bit of a break from throwing up, not knowing the new dilemma that I would soon face. The doctor operates and does all that he can. I asked my boyfriend, why do they keep asking me to move my face? I don't remember the answer, but I know that he wasn't truthful. And the day I was leaving the hospital after three weeks, I learned why. I want to look in the mirror. They tried to keep it from me. For some reason, I didn't realize the extent of what happened to my hearing while I was in the hospital. I remember looking in the mirror and tears. No tears, only on the right side of my face started to fall. My left side was paralyzed. I couldn't move it. What's going on? The panic in my head was indescribable. I am 19, I can't move my face and I can't hear. Just kill me now. So many thoughts. When is my boyfriend going to leave me? I'm never leaving my house. Why me? Am I going to throw, when am I going to throw up? Just kill me now. God really hates me. I'm a bad person. I can't look in the mirror. I can't even have a light on in most rooms with mirrors. It started at nine after the abuse. I remember it brought me great sadness to look at my reflection in the mirror. The mind games that went on inside my head usually went like this. You are disgusting. How can you let him do that to you? Why don't you say something? You are a bad child. You are bad, bad child. God will never forgive you. When I was 16, it seemed like the disgust from the bulimia took over. The reflection that shone back at me was one of disgust again, but disgust in the physical sense. My face was etched with deep lines already. My eyes were always bloodshot. My face was always swollen. My hair was lackluster. My teeth were weak and, and ached. By the time I reached 19 and had my accident, it just added more fuel to the fire. My face was forever distorted. Looking in the mirror was actually painful. There's absolutely no joy in my eyes or face. I would put up a facade of happiness on the outside, but the pain inside was unbearable. After it settled in and I was able to grasp what the residual effects of the accident would bring me, I started to think about throwing up again and with a vengeance. The accident did keep me from throwing up for a few months, but addiction found its way back. At this point, I had done so much damage to my digestive tract, heart and teeth, and my body in general. I really don't know how I went on with the drudgery of life and kept it a secret. Many times in the midst of laying on the bathroom floor, after purging craziness, I would ask God to take me now. 
just let me die, please. I couldn't take it anymore. At this point, it wasn't about the physical pain anymore, but the mental one as well. I would pray to God in vain, knowing there, were, there can't be a God. Why would all this happen to me if there was a God? But I had no one else. I couldn't tell my parents, my siblings, my boyfriend, or, or the few friends that I had. My life was one big lie. I just wanted to die. And that's all I wrote so far. And uh, I can't believe I made it through that without crying. Um, the reason I read that to you guys is why I said in the beginning, if I could just help even just one person, just one person, then that was all worth it to do that, to read and be physical on YouTube to you all. That's my past. I'm going to end this podcast there. And I would like to pick up on another podcast with how I overcame, how I beat this sadness in my life and why and how it brought me to where I am today. I am so happy and so healthy and just want to share that with you all. So on that note, I wish you all a wonderful and blessed day. And I would love to hear your feedback on this podcast. And um, let me know. Let me know your thoughts. Love you all. Bye.